As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey guys, uh, we've got kind of this like NPR style segment today that I, that I sort of made up. Uh, and I'm wondering if maybe we could do that as sort of the intro, like some kind of NPR, National Public Radio, BBC Radio style intro, like something a little bit more. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. I listen to that stuff all the time. I know yeah, exactly yeah, what you mean. Awesome. Yeah. Matt, you That's got it? That's a good zone for us, for sure. Let's let's do that. Okay, great. Cool. All right. All right, great. So you, you want me to start us yeah, off? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, you pieces of shit. You're on with Get Played. Get Played. Uh, did I get played? You sure did. With the Wags, Nick Weiger. Wait. Here with Matt Apodaca. Wait. Okay, hold, hold on. I shall call second. him Mini Me. What the fuck is this? What is happening? Guys. Oh, I, I was. I, I, what? We're doing NPR. No. Well, we're doing okay. classic NPR like sound, no, none of, sound bite. None of what you just did, none of what you just did is anything like National Public Radio or BBC. Or any of these, like they're 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 you're like doing morning zoo here. These are more like hushed tones and uh, quiet uh, conversation with an interesting oh, like that yeah. kind of thing. No, I know, I know what you mean. It's like we're you're you're trying to like, hey, I'm gonna try to read, you know, uh, a Blinken's four score right. in seven years right. ago. I'm trying to read the Gettysburg Address right uh, while I'm writing a gas powered Sibian. Wait, what? No. no, wait, no, no, guys, guys, again, get played. You're doing radio. I, I understand that you're, you're close. You're really close, and I'm not gonna let myself get frustrated until I can convey. I can make sure. Matt, this is just one note. Can we have more of these? This, I think it's good, but I just feel like we need like I don't want yeah, any like, of this. Five hundred percent. They see me rolling, they hating, patrolling, and trying to catch me riding Okay. Imagine that you were interviewing like an author. Got it. And it's like, <laughs> and then he farts. I can't believe that in perpetuity, this is the intro to this episode where I tried so I'm hard Donald to make Trump, something. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. No, no, I don't want any of this. I don't want any of this. We talk in hushed tones and fret about the future as Heather interviews climate activist and game developer Dr. Yost Ferfort this week on Get Played.
Welcome to Get Played, your one-stop show for good games, bad games, and every game in between. It's time to get played. I'm your host, Heather Ann Campbell, along with my fellow host, Nick Weiger. That's me, Nick Weiger, and I'm here with our third host, Matt Abadaka. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the premier video game podcast, where this week I I tried to do something different. I, it's It's cool what you did. I endorse it. I think it's uh I, I think it's it's nice when we mix it up a little bit. Yeah, great. I I'm also a fan of what has happened. Um, great. It, it, it's good. It, it's it, it's very good. Okay. It sounds like we're defending Heather from allegations. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, 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 no. Everything <laughs> I think was... everything was everything she did was fine. I approve of it. They did everything right, and they I did everything right, and they indicted me. <laughs> Just uh, my only advice is never surrender. That's it. Stand, what it is, stand down and stand by. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, hey, oh, I, I have something. I have something I do want to talk about up top. Oh, um, okay. Wait, right is, away. Oh, well, I don't know. We can fuck around a little bit. I just like if we're in the fuck around period, we can go through the fuck around period. And then get I'm to feeling it. loose, dog. Boom, All right, let's keep boom. it loose. I do. No, have I, I do have now I got to know what Nick wanted to talk about. Well, I think it's probably something that's on all of our it, 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 at the top of all of our minds right now, which is that as of this recording, uh, SAG after the Actors Union, which is already on strike against yes. the AMPTP, uh, heading towards the sixty day mark. If they haven't already passed that at this point, and the WGA, me and Heather's union, um, it continues on you know like day one hundred thirty or, or whatever. I'm also in SAG after. You're also in SAG after. So the. Um, uh, so, uh, Ace, anyway, SAG-AFTRA has authorized, or I'm sorry, is taking a strike authorization vote. I want to get the language correct. Uh, the, the, the leadership has called for a strike authorization vote, uh, against the major video game studios, yes. uh, including Activision, uh, Disney, EA, Epic, uh, Take-Two, and what have you. And just to, to read through, you know, again, if you're if you're following gaming news at, at all, you've probably heard about some of this. Uh, but the reason they are calling for a yes vote on a strike authorization uh, is to give themselves, you know, more leverage and possibly, you know, have the possibility, possibly have the option to go on strike if the media companies or I'm sorry, if the video game companies are as intransigent as the. Uh, big Hollywood studios have been. Uh, but it's interesting because there's some overlap in the issues, but it's not one-to-one. But AI, obviously, a big one. We've already seen this in game development. We've already seen, like, you know, especially in the mod community, people using AI-generated voices uh, to, you know, create additional dialogue for real human actors. And it's one thing if a mod if, if a modder does that as, like, a hobbyist. Modder? Do people say modder? Am I a modder? No, it's, I don't I don't know. it's mother. Right. Yeah, you're thinking of the German pronunciation, actually. That's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. of the German pronunciation of mother. Uh, yeah. And then, so that, but that's a, but that's one thing if like a, if someone who makes a mod does it as a hobby and distributes it freely and, you know, whatever, people have, have their own rights to their likenesses and voices. So I don't want to dismiss that out of hand, but it is on a different level versus, you know, take two saying we're going to take your voice and then make a an ai simulacrum of it and use it indefinitely uh for a one-time fee uh that's that's like a completely different level uh the other thing is that 
there there's uh, there's there's the use of ai for performance capture which is another thing that could be like you know it, it, it's less of a thing with live action um but certainly in video games we see so much of that and again you know taking someone's performance and then using that to uh algorithmically generate additional material uh, is another thing that should be regulated uh, but it's also interesting because the first off, and we've talked to this with some voice actors we've had on the on the the uh, uh, the podcast in recent months, mm-hmm. uh, which is that it is like a, an exhausting profession. Yeah. But also like like not just voiceover artists, but also people who are, you know, stunt performers or doing motion capture. That's also exhausting. And this was a thing I learned from this strike authorization vote. There is no mandated rest period uh, for on-camera performers in um, video game production as there is in film and television production. So one of the things they're looking for is a five-minute-per-hour rest period for for on- and off-camera performers, which is like – that seems like just a natural – like, yeah, that just makes sense. You don't want to work people to the point of exhaustion, but it's currently not something that's in the agreement. And the other thing is there's no regulations that call for an onset medic, which if you're doing fucking stunt work, you should have a medical professional there in case something goes yeah. awry. But currently there's no regulation in place for this sort of hazardous work. So I don't know. It's just interesting. I, I try to keep pretty plugged in with these issues, but there's even things that I'm learning about through this. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But certainly hope that all, everyone who uh, is, is behind video games on the performance side uh, gets what they're asking for in these negotiations. Have I ever talked to you guys about how I did voiceover for a video game? I think I you have, but tell refresh your memory. Yeah, um, I uh, did voiceover for an indie video game uh, called Sequence back in like, I don't know, 2010, something like that, uh, which was a video game that you were supposed to give voice commands to the characters on screen. So you were like a squad, a squad leader and you would like tell them what to do. Uh, I never actually ended up playing the game because I think it was a PC game and I you know, until very recently didn't have a PC. Um, but yeah, voice recording is, it is grueling. It's very weird also. Yeah. You know, like you, you just, you just talk and talk and talk and talk. And I, I, you know, I'm not, I, I feel like I know that like most actors in movies are often in scenes by themselves Right. Because you're like acting beyond the camera and like the other person's not there and there's like a stand in or something, mm-hmm. which is really emotionally draining to like yell at a person who's not there over and over again. Yeah, 100 yeah. percent. I look I, I get a, yeah. I get exhausted doing the, doing like fucking podcasting. And yeah, it's not too. even really a performance. <laughs> it's just tiring to talk for that long. I could do this you all know, day. The uh, <laughs> the um. The other thing that this uh, this strike authorization and like SAG's sort of uh, SAG-AFTRA's uh, pushback against the, um, the possible use of AI for in perpetuity uh, voice recording reminds me of is Susan Bennett, the original voice of Siri, who made recordings for a company called ScanSoft in 2005, unaware that Apple would use them as Siri later and then she never received any compensation it's fucking insane that that's that that's nike swoosh level shit of just like you know someone getting paid a one-time fee or nothing and then that being you know iconic for a brand wait for a multi-billion dollar corporation 
Wait, what, what happened with the Nike swoosh? The, the Nike guy who made it, he just he never got anything except the original payment. I believe it was a, it was a woman they paid for a nice. Like, oh man, show! I, I was a misogynist just then, and you fucking like you. You took me to task. No, 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 no. I no. loved it. <laughs> uh, it was. It, they reference it in the movie Air, but I, but I'd heard this story before, and yeah, it was. Uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia for the swoosh right now. Caroline Davidson, uh, who was a student at uh, Portland State University, made the logo, and then they, so they paid her like one time to do it, and I think they paid her just like, um, oh, they they paid her two dollars an hour for the work she completed. So, and then they took the Nike swoosh and it's like the, you know, she got $35 total for making this design. That's the emblem of this uh, <laughs> massive multi-billion dollar corporation. That's, that's heinous. It's bad. That's it's bad insane. stuff. It's really bad. Woof. <laughs> but anyway, oh, hey, solidarity with everyone in SAG-AFTRA, everyone who's making video games on that side of things. And uh, yeah, and, and, and. Video game workers in general, you know, it would seem seeing Absolutely. more and more people organize and that's and that's great to see and that's encouraging. Um uh, Heather, what was the name of the game that you you voiced? Because I, I feel like some listeners are gonna try to, to find that. Sequence. It's called Sequence, because I see a game called I'm looking at the Steam store, I see a game called The Sequence in brackets. Do no, you know what year called, this came out? Uh twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. Sequence. sequence. Yeah. It might Is have it, been spelled like the word? Yes. Because I see a bunch of sequences on here. I see sequence storm, null sequence, unexpected sequence, crystal sequence, the sequence two, sprite sequence. But I don't see an actual sequence. But maybe it's just not on the Steam store. It was Steam called. Uh, maybe it was sequence by. Was it Iridium Studios? Um, I don't know. It's uh yeah I, I found it I found it on of all places IMDb it's it is just called sequence as Iridium's first title sequence combines elements from both role playing and rhythm genres as a result traditionally slow RPG combat is fast and frenetic while players can enjoy the additional benefits of character customization inventory management and deep and engrossing plot maybe it's been delisted because the only it, it doesn't if you look at uh, Iridium's homepage they list a couple of other games but they don't list that one. Yeah. All right. Well, if well, anyone can find this piece of dead media, uh, let us know. Heather voices Jane, according to the the credits. Uh, I think I IMDb. was I was like a a butch, like like a like a lady general, you know, like a like a. Listen, you 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 listen to me, like that kind of that kind of yeah. voice. I think, which also was rough because. Um, you know, I don't. I'm not. I, I don't do a lot of voice acting. Like I don't play any characters on this show that we're doing. Yeah, and right. I, yeah, that's such a stress so for you. It was a really real. It was hard because you know I don't know how to manage that sort of stress on my yeah. vocal cords. Yeah. Well, I think. I think <laughs> Matt's I'm, pr- just I'm proud staring of you. at the I'm ceiling proud of you for and smiling. <laughs> I'm just like trying to like I was looking up to see if I could find the words for what I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, uh, I I'm yeah. really excited to talk about what I'm playing. Uh, I'm excited to talk about what I'm playing too, uh, but I want to uh, I want to do so a much. a quick 
shout out of what we will be playing at the end of this month because the polls are closed. The poll is closed. Matt, you have, because what we did is last week we were like, ah, there's a few different things we could play. I don't know. What do you want us to play? You want us to play Starfield? You want us to play, you know, Sea of Stars, what have you. Uh, and it and- came down to two games and those games were God Hand and Killer 7. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Heather's looking at a different poll. It actually did come down to two Heather games. Uh, Armored Core 6, uh, but the Runaway... It, 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 and and perhaps a perhaps a, a horse racing analogy is appropriate with this game because the runaway winner was, I believe, Matt, Shadow of the Colossus. That's right. With a lead of um, 150 votes uh, ahead of the next closest game. Uh, it is uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Uh the, uh, the options were Armored Core 6, Sea of Stars, Shadow of the Colossus, and Starfield. And Shadow of the Colossus took, ran away I with can't, it. I this can't was our be- poll in our Discord. Yeah, that's right. I can't believe that Starfield didn't win. Well, I think the thing is that I think, I, first off, I think we have maybe a little bit of a different audience than a general gaming audience for our podcast. I think there may be p- people who are perhaps more attuned to our three tastes and or and and so and i also think the other thing is like there's so many places i already saw there's a starfield 100 percent review that came up my youtube algorithm there's, there's so many places you can get starfield content already so i, I the, my think is that my thinking is that maybe people wanted us to talk about something we'd be more excited about and i am excited to talk about this team eco uh a, a, a art artful uh, a classic shadow of the colossus we are going to be playing that that are this month's we play you play we'll be that and that will be coming on monday september 25th i can't believe that this here's why i'm excited about this because apodaca hasn't played this game that's right yes like that is i almost don't know anything about it either <laughs> like I, hey, I that's a great way to go in i'm excited like it's it's not it's not like a Star Wars level blind spot, but it's a bit it's a huge game like in yeah. terms of what it ended up affecting in the industry. Like I don't know that Breath of the Wild can be like there is I think a direct lineage from Shadow of the Colossus to Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I think in that's fair. Of, yeah. Sure. I think and, um, there's there's a there's an interesting window of time right now too where this is the only video game Adam Sandler has played and I haven't. <laughs> like that's probably not true like across all the other games I've played, but he's got this one on me and I think that's interesting. Yeah. We're gonna watch he- Rain Over Me for the Patreon. <laughs> it's gonna be oh, on Get Yet Animated. Oh boy. Adam Sandler's nine okay. eleven movie where he plays. If, I mean if we did, we'd reason. have to be watching it on this episode. <laughs> Do you think uh, that's one of those things where like I on, I honestly probably think that the the production designer of that movie knew what they were doing and was kind of like, oh, that'd be a cool that would be an interesting thematic video game for this dude who's gr- who's dealing with with grief and loss to be playing. Right. Like that's like it's not just like a random coincidence. No, no. It's also and this isn't a spoiler because the game opens this way. Like, it's not like it, the opening of Shadow of the Claw. Well, maybe we should save it for when. It's a specific kind of grief that echoes his grief in the film. We got to watch Rain Over Me. That'll be oh, part of the no. We Play You Play. Oh, my God. I think I'll watch do. it. I've never seen it either. <laughs> it's, like a, it's a weird Adam Sandler blind spot for me. All right, let's watch it. Yeah. All right, great. So uh, our We Play my- You Play is 
Shadow of the Colossus and <laughs> Rain Over Me. We're going to be talking about that on Monday, September 25th. So two Mondays from now, final Monday of every month for people who are new to the pod. We do a yeah. long play discussion of one game. Um, so that, that'll be it. Shadow of the Colossus. You know what's tough? Maintaining momentum in your workout routine. How do I keep going? We keep hitting these plateaus in progress. I get bored with the exercises I'm doing. I don't have enough variation. It's important to keep challenging yourself as you improve. Everyone knows working out is full of positives. Sleeping better, looking better, and just feeling better. But as you get stronger, sticking to the same old routine can lead to a plateau in results. Keep your momentum going and your progress positive with FitBod. The app creates personalized workouts based on your goals, abilities, and gym setup while helping you track and visualize your progress along the way. FitBod creates custom workouts based on your goals, experience, available equipment, and more. Build your fitness habit and stay consistent. FitBod's powerful technology understands your strength training ability, studies your past workouts, and adapts to your available gym equipment. The app intelligently varies your intensity and volume and tracks muscle fatigue and recovery to design a well-balanced workout plan. Also, the app keeps your gym sessions fresh and fun by mixing up your workouts with new exercises, rep schemes, supersets, and circuits. You know what I like about FitBod? The app is well-designed, it's got a UX, and hey, it's aware of what I have access to, to work out with, and it varies up my workouts. So that's what keeps you coming back. And you know what? All these factors together help you push through those I don't feel like it moments, which anyone who's been on a fitness plan is well aware of. It's never been easier to get the results you've always wanted. Check out FitBod. Get 25% off your subscription at fitbod.me slash played. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash played. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I, I, uh, I cut off Heather to say my Adam Sandler thing. You were saying that uh you can't get to breath of the wild without experiencing uh or without shadow of the colossus existing well i i think it just has like an oversized influence on the industry yeah for for the size and budget of the game like it's, yeah it's right it's not it wasn't like a flagship title for uh, you know it's not uncharted it's not mm -hmm. uh it's not god of war it's not like a big fucking huge game it's not zelda mario it's shadow of the colossus but i feel like after it happened so many games were doing like were borrowing from this language that the game created so i'm 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 hyped to revisit it and i think i'm going to be playing the remaster uh, yes. because it feel I've never played the remaster and I think that that might be nice. Um, then again, I might get home, uh, this weekend and, uh, boot up that PS2 drop in my original OG copy of shadow of the Colossus and see, see how that feels. 
Yeah, I thought about doing that, and then I was also like, man, that's gonna, f it's just, it's, I remember it feeling like, oh boy, this is chugging at the time, you know? Yeah. So I wonder how it would feel, how, how that 15 uh, FPS, you know, frame rate would feel uh, in this day and age, it would be, a, might be a little tricky, but hey, I salute you if you do it. I also have not played the remaster, which came out in 2018, so that's probably the version that I'm playing, but yeah, if you want to play along with us, the remaster is on PS4. Is it still part of that? It is part of the PlayStation Plus collection. So well, if you have PlayStation Plus, you can just download it. Yeah, you or you had to have. Um, oh yeah, you can do that because they, they they did have the the PlayStation collection. I think when PS5s renew, you can no longer access that if you're um, uh, a new PlayStation Five owner, I believe, or even a. Oh. A they took that off, but it's routinely nine dollars. Like I don't think it's a full price game anymore at this point, um, and it's also, but it it might be in one of the in one of the tiers of uh, PlayStation Plus, like where you can download uh, games now. Still, I know that people get frustrated with us when we play these. Well, first off, you guys voted for it, so you can't get that frustrated. Yeah, but you I, had I know an opportunity get... to stop the steal, and you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> You too could be going to prison for 18 years. Yeah. Um, or was it 22? I don't know. Uh, there's, I, I understand being frustrated when we play a game that can only be played on one console, but Shadow of the Colossus is old enough that you can emulate it. Right. Like, you know, not that I want to tell people to emulate a game, but like if you're somebody who's got a PC and you can't play it any other way, there are options. Yeah, there I'm, are I'm, options. I'm ethically, ethically neutral on emulation and piracy in general. I think, like, is you know, whatever. Yeah. If you can afford something, pay for it. But but if you can't, it's fine. A weird, a, a weird and uh, philosophically inconsistent position for a man who is pro-union and residuals. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, I I kind of think that that this is a. First off, we're talking to things like that. We're talking about video games. Residuals don't exist for the people who create them. That's true. It, it's it's so it's like we're just talking about money going into these in into this the the studios, and then also it's like it it fucking they will just take stuff away from you. It's like like there is no way to just. It, it's all it's still a problem with film and tv where the stuff just is delisted or is just not available anymore but it's like a it's worse with video games because things are so platform dependent and they make it so that there's just stuff that you just can't play or can't even acquire legally anymore i mean we, we've encountered this yep so um yeah i don't know I, I, I again i'm just if you can't pay for it and you have you have the platform great but if not you know whatever do what you gotta do I feel that way about our fucking Patreon. How about that for consistency? If you can't afford yeah. it, you know, do what you got to do. All right. Hey, what we got to do is talk about some video games we're playing right now. It's what are you playing? What are you playing? Hey, Matt, why don't I go first? Because I don't have that long to talk about, but I am excited about what I'm going to talk about. Go wow. off. Because I was going to say, hey, Matt, why don't you go first? But then I was like, okay, oh, you did. Uh, I do feel sort of tricked. Uh, hey, Matt. <laughs> Listen to gotcha. this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, today, as of this record, Baldur's Gate 3 came out for PlayStation 5. I have meticulously recreated my lady thief criminal 
rogue criminal and uh, have uh, ventured forth into the world of Baldur's Gate 3. Wow. Already, the game is so different. Here's some reasons why. One, I swear there's an entire section of the ship that's not there anymore from my early release candidate to the current release. Um, Don't know where that part of the ship went. Maybe I just didn't go the same way. Uh, that early, that first ship in the, like in the intro area. Secondly, I must have missed some stuff because I already have like maybe, uh, 20 minutes to an hour and a half into the game. I already have like a lot more party members sure than i did <laughs> the first time i played yeah where it was just me like wandering around with this one girl shadowheart yeah uh oh, for like Shadowheart. the huge like i conquered a village with just her you know like yeah right. i but now i've got like two dudes i've ne- i had never met at seven hours played through of the game the other way. Who do way. you have? You have you probably have Gale, right? The wizard. Yeah, Gale. I never met I never met that dude. And then I have Asterion? Is that his name? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had never seen that guy either. I mean, I've seen all his like thirst trap pictures on Twitter, but <laughs> I haven't my, seen... he's not even my favorite guy. He's I not? can't I couldn't no. believe how oh, fast how fast I got a, a huge group of people. When I played like seven hours with just that lady wandering around. I, I wonder how much of that is your play style and how much of that was you were playing the early access version. And I, I, I just I honestly don't know. I don't know when all those party members got, you know, implemented. Unknown. I missed Gale because uh, I had to re- I had to go back a little bit when I had first started. And what I did, I was like, I'm just going to like walk around. My new thing, I mean, I'm, I'll talk about that, but I missed Gale completely. Like, and I was like, oh, here's wow. Gale. And then Gale's, Gale's been an uh, integral part of my party since. He's a good guy. Gale's oh. one of the first guys I stumbled upon, but I think that just sort of speaks to the nature of this game. Yeah. It's just like, you know, whatever. It's, it's hard playing as like a, a, a bad person because it's, you really do hurt everybody you encounter. Uh-huh. Like, oh, so you're playing you're playing bad. I'm playing a bad person. <laughs> and it's upsetting sometimes to choose the things where like it's like, well, could you help me? Do you think you could help me? And I'm like, what's in it for me? And they're they're like, I'm on I'm on fire, please help me. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, fork over some cash. And it's like, ah, oh God, hurry. Here, I'll, I'll give you everything I have. And then you help them and they have like nothing. They have like very little and you take it from them and your entire party disapproves. It's like, I don't know, but you gain inspiration points. I don't know. I don't know what the right way to play this game is, but uh, I I am reminded of the time that, uh, that my partner in Disco Elysium yelled at me. Oh yeah. And it broke my heart. It's the worst experience in a game I've ever had is emotionally. Is you maybe Kim, played that, that audio Kim yelling at me. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's gnarly. I, I so, didn't have that encounter, but I, I, I would defend. I'm a defend Kim at all costs guy. So. So I'm playing Boulder's Gate three as of today. I'm still I'm still picking away at God of War Ragnarok. 
Um, boy, the combat in that game is floaty. You, you Isn't it nice? It would be like it's floaty as fuck, man. Like you knock somebody into the air, and they just are like they're a beach ball from that point forward. Um, that's it. That's what I'm playing. Wow. Short list. You guys. Matt, Matt. you were ta- you've also, also been playing some BG three. Yeah, yeah, Matt. I- why don't you listen to Nick? Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, Nick. Why don't you go? <laughs> I mean, it seemed like a natural segue for Matt to talk about Baldur's Gate 3, but sure, go. I'll, I'll talk about Sea of Stars for a little bit. Uh, I've So I'm about, I'm about 10 hours into Sea of Stars. This is the throwback JRPG. I mean, it's 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 just a, a an aesthetically pristine game. I feel like I use that turn of phrase a lot, but in terms of capturing, like, the best version of, like, a late, you know, 16-bit slash early uh, uh, 32-bit uh, pixel art RPG, sprite-based uh, RPG. It's it's like the ideal of that. It's like the, the the art direction is so good, the sound design and the music are so good, but also so uh, era appropriate. It is developed and published by Sabotage Studios, and um, I I'm really enjoying the game. I, I will say that in non-story spoiler, just to give people a sense for your if you're playing along about where I am exactly, uh, I have the fourth party member and the grappling hook. So I have, you know, another way to traverse the environment, which I think is a big part of the fun of this game. It's It's got great just like walking around, great moving around. Like I mentioned last week, the, the run cycle is very fast. So you can get around the map really quickly. And then there's all sorts of uh, of chasms to, uh, uh, to jump across and uh, little ledges to traverse. Like it's, it's just got great movement. Uh, and um, then when you get into a battle, it is like in that same world. It's like kind of Chrono Trigger style. We don't go to a separate, you know, r- sort of random encounter scene. It all happens on the same map. Uh, and um, one thing I like about that is that first off, it doesn't, it, it makes the game flow really quickly. The thing about JRPGs, if you play an era, a, a, a JRPG from that era, they kind of feel kind of ponderously paced now. Uh, and this one is not that. It completely just feels, it, it has, it just kind of keeps moving. Uh, but the other thing is that it, it, it adds, adds these tactical considerations in terms of the positioning of characters is huge, the positioning of your enemies versus your party. If they're in like kind of like a pincer sort of position, um, it, you know, you have a lot of spells that are affect basically or skills that affect adjacent uh, the enemies. And so like if they're kind of scattered all over the map, those are a little bit neutered. Uh, and then also turn ordering is a big tactical consideration here in terms of like all right who do i want to which which because when you're and it's your party's turn you can choose uh who you want to go in what order and that can affect in terms of how uh thing how your your battle your combat plays out the other thing and this is a this is a core mechanic in the combat that i think is really well done is that when you physically attack something someone Mm -hmm. when you use a physical basic attack uh, you get mana back. That's how you regenerate mana. So it kind of like incentivizes tag, uh, toggling between using your spells to drain your mana pool and then using um, physical attacks to increase your mana pool. And since different enemies have different vulnerabilities to different attacks, uh, again, that's another tactical consideration. It's just a way to make it, to, to keep the combat from being like, you know, press attack, pre- like hit attack, hit attack, hit attack, uh, a drink potion or whatever. It just, it has a lot of variance to it. Uh, and is is super fun. Uh, and speaking of the the combat, uh, Matt, I put the battle theme in the chat, which, you know, look, this is another thing I think this game does well. You hear this over and over again. And for me, I never get tired of it. 
composer is is Eric W. Brown. Um, but there are there is some additional music by Yasunori Mitsuda, which I mentioned last week. Uh, legendary video game composer. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a really it's a really fun score. However, there is one bit of criticism I want to level at this game. The triple triad of this game is called Wheels. Uh, the Gwent of this game, if you will. Uh, it's a it's a little mini game that you can play in taverns, and it is like a board game that involves uh, a, a a spinning sort of slot machine. Uh, mechanic that comes that brings up to a, a, a some a bunch of random stats that uh you know ha, you have you have these carry you have these statuettes these mini figs that will attack based off of what you you pick um from the uh the slot machine uh what do you call those things the little rotaries the little spinners uh the little spinners i think the little spinners right thank you matt rotaries. so whatever comes Whatever comes up from the rotaries, the little spinners, uh, you know, it'll be like an like experience or hammers or, you know, attack or whatever. It's so unclear how to play this fucking game. It is the most <laughs> inscrutable one of these I've ever encountered. And there's no tutorial. Instead, what there is is there in the pause menu, there's just like a little bit, of the, a few pages of manual text that include a phrase, like just like they, they don't really explain things well. They include a phrase that uh, three oak plus which I was like, what the fuck is Three Oak Plus? And I ended up searching it on, you know, Google and Bing. And the first result was like someone asking, in Sea of Stars, what is Three Oak Plus? Because it does not explain what it is. It means three of a kind plus, which I guess is some like oh. some card shark people like use that acronym, but it they, it doesn't explain it to the to the user. Uh, and so I, I I watched a YouTube video of this YouTube tutorial of how to play Wheels, and this guy like spent like ten minutes explaining how it works. And then, but he clearly was unclear. And then some of the comments were like, "Hey, I actually think it works this way." And he'd be, he'd respond like, "Oh man, I didn't get that." Like it's like even the people like trying to make content to try to illuminate this to other people are, are unclear on how it works. So I think that probably the community will figure this out and and write a tutorial. Uh, I did sort of get a sense of how it worked exactly, but it is one of those things. Totally optional. It's a to you don't have to play it at all. But as someone who wanted to explore that side of the of the game, um, I was a little bit you know thrown off by it. But that's my only real negative so far. I think it's paced really well. I think the dungeons are really fun. Uh, I think the the art direction is just uh, just so gorgeous, and I think the the different towns and biomes feel so distinct. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you like this style of game, I think this is the a, a great modern version of it. Um, sea of Stars on Game Pass. I imagine, I imagine some of our listeners are playing along. So let us know what you think. Yeah, I want to. I really want to dip my toes into that game. There's just a lot. There's a lot going on. There's well, that was that was the thing. I was I was really happy that Starfield didn't win. I was I was kind of pulling for a Sea of Stars to win, but I was yeah. happy that Starfield didn't win because I'm like I'm already neglecting Baldur's Gate to play Sea of Stars. I got to get back to Baldur's Gate. I don't want to abandon that game entirely. If I got to play fucking Starfield, I'm just like I just don't have time. I don't have time for any of this shit. I, I've so, seen I've seen some playthrough like some like clips of Starfield on Twitter that are the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen, and that makes me want to play it so badly. Like. Yes. A person talking to you and all of a sudden their head explodes because like <laughs> they got like hit with a grenade from like a random thing or like somebody's like talking or like standing and talking to somebody else and you accidentally like knock a thing off a wall that bounces off off and like just assassinates them like it's yeah 
the more realistic a thing looks and the more video gamey it is, the funnier it is. Yes. And Starfield 100%. looks so funny. I, I saw a video of uh, somebody put a bunch of potatoes in like their room. Yeah, I've seen the potatoes. And the potatoes all have their own individual physics. And that's that's really funny. Yeah, there's a lot. It's like 20,000 potatoes in a room. Yeah, and they just like spill out of the room when they, they open the door. That's, like user, what, that's user funny. That's like not like on accident I like from the game. when people get a sandbox like this and the first thing they do are like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pick up every potato I can find and put it in a room. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to see if I can shoot my dick off. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> Matt, what are, you, what are you playing, Matt? Well... Okay, so I don't know why big... you haven't spoken till now because, like, <laughs> yeah, what the fuck, man? I've just been—I've been waiting my turn. I've been dipping my toes in a, quite a bit, honestly. Um, you know, I've—I've I've been. I'm not very far into Armored Core Six, but that's—I've been sort of picking up that game in between, like playing Baldur's Gate for a long period of time. Like, I just want to do something else for a little bit, and I'll do a couple missions in Armored Core Six, and um, it's. It's so fucking good and cool and awesome, and it's it's just um, it's it's just exactly what a video game should be. It's it's I I, I don't know. There's I don't have any sense of what the story is or if there is one. I'm just I'm just a hired gun, going from base to base, shooting targets, and then coming back and collecting my money, and that's it. And I I made my mech. Uh, I, I I painted my mech in the. Uh, Eva 01 colorway, so I so I feel wow. like I'm I, I'm Shinji, but I'm like Shinji who means it <laughs> and is getting and is getting it done. Um, <laughs> so that's been exciting. I did I did briefly play a little bit of Starfield last night, just so I'd have a little bit to say about it so far, mm-hmm. and I'm interested in playing it a little bit more. I spent most of my time trying to make me and because there's a lot of options they had they had a a lot of uh, options in the character creator and so I I was doing that for most of the time and then I played a little bit of the of the game so far and I'm I am interested in it it does seem it seems pretty cool I yeah, I haven't hit. It's early. It's still early in the game. I haven't hit the thing in the game that's gonna hook me. Yeah, it kind of just seems to me so far to be a, um, you know, one of those. One of those, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm not. So I'm not there yet. But I am excited to try it a little more. What I played was fun and interesting, but I haven't. It hasn't hooked uh, its teeth into me yet. But mm. what has? is Baldur's Gate 3, as I've been talking wow. about week after week since playing it. Wow. I, I started playing it on my Steam Deck, right? I've since installed it on my PC over here, and I've been playing on the PC with um, uh, a controller attached. And I did this the other day, and I <laughs> I don't know what happened. But five hours later, I was still playing Baldur's Gate three, and I was like, "This is I've ne- I haven't had I haven't had this kind of day in a long time." Yeah, where I was just I was just getting in it. I was just in in the shit, you know. And um, I'm in Act two now, 
All my characters are level six. And some encounters, some encounters in this game, I just fuck people up. They're wow. just fucked. Nice. And it feels so good to not take that much damage. <laughs> right. And like just to get out of an encounter and be like, okay, you're done. You're fucking done. Dead. Next. Uh, but <laughs> I'm also playing. I feel like I'm playing how I would how I would exist in this world, which is I'm trying to please as many people as I can. Mm. And that, of course, eventually does lead to you um, getting disapproval of some characters. Cause like, I'm not, I, I, I backed, I accidentally, I told you guys this, I like accidentally flirted too much with one of the characters Mm -hmm. and got, got to the point where I could have, relations with this character and i was like well i have to see what this is like (laughs) i have to see i haven't had i haven't had this in the game yet and i did it it was interesting i won't spoil it i told some people on the discord (laughs) who it was and what happened and Uh uh-huh but i spoiled spoiler tagged who it was yeah and then after that i was locked out of the other romance that i was pursuing and the oh one that boy. I was more interested in. Oh, boy. And I was fucking heartbroken. Oh, no. I, I felt so sad, like, in real life <laughs> that I fucked up. And I was like, oh, I thought we were all just sort of like, you know, I didn't think it was that serious. Like, I thought we were all just fucking around. I didn't think it was, like, that serious. But you don't want to, like, talk to me anymore. And you don't want to pursue this any further because I went and, you know, fooled around with this other one. And I, I safe scummed and I went back and undid the sex. Wow. <laughs> and I was just like, I can't, I can't do it. And so then the option came up again. Cause I had to go back to camp at a certain yeah. point. And I was like, I'm ignoring, I'm, yes. I, I have to rebuff this, this interaction. I can't, I can't go down this road again. I can't lose. I can't lose it. Well, I, I can't lose what I want. And so I feel like the person that I'm pursuing to is like kind of the basic choice, but I don't fucking give a shit. That's, that's, that's it. But yeah, that's fine. I also, but, I'll, but, but there's also like another person in the camp that I'm trying to pursue too, just in case. Cause like, oh boy, <laughs> I could go either way with these two, but the one that I went down the path with, I was like, I don't even, I'm not even excited about that. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, sure. I was like, I, no, I, I, I get it. No, no, not you. Not you. These other two, happy with either one. This one, I just wanted to see what would happen. And then it was bad. So I, I, I reloaded my save and, uh, and fixed it. I but, wish you could convince your party members to sleep with each other. Oh, yeah. yeah well, I'd probably just never stop playing the game. <laughs> yeah, then you're just gonna be a matchmaker. That's fun. Yeah, That's a fun sub game. Uh, there is, there are a couple of pairings that you can have and be in a like a poly like relationship. You can't make mm. them do stuff with each other, but you can be with them separately, and that's fine. But some characters, and I didn't. I know what you're thinking. Matt, did you Google how many relationships can you have in Baldur's Gate Three? No, I didn't do that. You're being, you sound crazy. 
you can there are certain pairings you can have that are fine with sharing but there are some that are just hard no yeah and it's like well, i get that but it's the game baby let me do it with all of them um i'm sure you'll be able to find a mod that'll let you you know have whatever harem you want but uh yeah i, I think in terms of the the game it's like it, it's it, when you say that when you talk about like the feelings of regret because you romanced one character yeah. and then the other option is just like forever closed to you or because or because you hooked up with somebody and then it's just like oh now, now this other person doesn't like me who i was actually interested in an emotional level yeah it's like that's one of those things where it's like oh games can simulate like the bad parts of life <laughs> It's like, and they don't have to, but no. that's a thing that this medium can do in a way that like, I think non-interactive mediums can't quite have that sort of intense emotional connection. You know, you can feel like it's, it's a different feeling when it's like a third party when it's like the, the hero of a TV show is yeah. going through that versus your player characters yeah. experiencing that. In a perfect world, this game would have been like, hey, I heard you fucked so-and-so. That's really cool. We can still fuck. <laughs> and it's like, okay, fine. <laughs> but all that to say, I'm still playing and loving the game. Uh, it looks great on the PC. It's sort of my preferred way to play it now. Um, uh, I just don't have like a comfortable enough chair to be sitting at my desk for so long. But let's it, let's talk off pod. I'll get you a fucking comfy chair. Uh, what? Yeah, the Nick wants me to sit on fuck? his lap. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I also I'm at a point in Act Two where I could keep going and get to Act Three pretty quickly, I believe. But I did a little reading and somebody was uh, like something that I read suggested to leave where I'm at currently and go explore this other area. So I'm, I'm sort of just in now and I'm in act two walking around mode. I did a lot of walking around in act one and still miss stuff. So now I'm walking around in act two and seeing what else there is uh, where I'm at. Cause I'm not trying to get to act three just yet. Yeah. It's a I'm still in act one from what game. I, it's a big fucking game. I and, played for and 50 I, hours. It's wild, and from from what I've read and from what I've heard, Matt, it's I think that's that's the what you're doing is the right approach. Mm -hmm. It's like this is very much one like there's no race to the finish. Enjoy the journey, explore everything. I I certainly have not regretted in my my, my more limited time with the game, just sort of like walking around and and checking stuff out. And I just talk to everybody. I love it. It's just so fun. Can I ask and and if if this is a if this is spoiler territory. You know, it, it's that we don't have to do it, but I'll, I'll ask the question. You can decide if you want to answer it or not. You said Asterion is not your main guy. Can you tell us who your main guy is? Well, well, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll say I had it. I entered the my cursed romance with Gale. Okay. And <laughs> it it was it was beautiful. It was great. <laughs> but I just feel like I've put in so much work with Shadowheart. Okay. That, and she's sort of like a closed book at cer certain parts, and she's a little sort of tougher nut to crack. Gail right. was like, "I love you," like immediately, and I was like, "I'll fuck <laughs> this guy, whatever." Uh, <laughs> but then, yeah, with Shadowheart, I was sort of like, oh, I feel like I betrayed this sort of thing that we're building, right?" You know. Uh, but so my my team currently though is Gail, Shadowheart, myself, and. A character that I don't think Heather has met. Okay. But an act one character that you can find. Got it. Well, I I, I intend on romancing the Gith Yankee. Yeah, a lot I, of people yeah, do. That's, that's very, that's a very Heather 
character. Like Apparently I would... she's the horniest character in the game. Oh, yeah. really? Just like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to be like, let's kill something and then and then fuck. Like that, I mean, if you're gonna do it, I don't want something sensitive. Yeah, that's basically di her dialogue from the game, so I think you're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh there was like a speed run. Somebody did it like before a, a patch. I think this was a bug. It wasn't supposed to be like this. You could speed run sex with that character in eight minutes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's an all-time great. It's a fantastic, incredible video game. I, every time I play it, I can't believe what I'm seeing and that it works at all. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Right, despite its it's one of those things where despite its rough edges, they're still just like, well, it's taken such huge swings. It's like it's just it's amazing that yeah, that's a great way to put it, Matt. It's yeah. amazing that it works at all. And the yep. fact that it's not online, always online. The fact that I could play it offline, I played it on a fucking uh, airplane. I played it in a bar. Mm. You could play it anywhere, and you don't have to always be Ooh. online to be playing it. You have to resync your cloud save like when you get sure. home. But that's that's nothing. I yeah. wonder if the Mac version has come out yet. Because, boy, oh, boy, it would be nice to sync this new save and uh, spend my 11 hours on a plane playing Baldur's Gate. Hmm. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, the PS, PS5 version is out. Maybe the Mac port is out. I don't know. I don't know either. But, boy, it would be nice. There's no way to find out, so. Without booting it up. I typed in Mac Baldur's Gate 3 on Google, and the first thing that comes up on Reddit from a post a, a day ago, I don't think the Mac release is going to be tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, just, I should I should before we close up the Baldur's Gate 3 discussion, I should give a quick correction. Last week, Matt, when I talked about our, our buddy, our mutual friend Tyler, yes. uh, who saw you in the bar playing Baldur's Gate 3, um, and you acted like you were caught jacking off on a park bench, apparently. No, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you did on the pod. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Tyler, I, I said the, uh, I, I had his last name wrong. I conflated him with a different Tyler whose podcast I also guested on. So apologies to that, Tyler. Oh, yeah. Tyler Schnupp is who he is. Tyler Schnupp, is our, yeah. Uh, yeah. I caught yeah, that so. in the edit, Sorry, I Tyler. thought. And then I was like, oh, I, that's not his last name, but I think that's fine. Yeah, you'll just leave it in. Make me look like a shithead, which I was. So <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tyler. Um, all right, let's uh, let's. Uh, hey, we get this is this is something special. So this is something guys, that yeah. Look, okay. So I did. I did. In in the United States, there's a there's a radio show called This American Life, where you do like a like you hear like this guy, and I don't listen to it that much. But when you do, you hear this guy be like, "Wow, oh, I wanted to get to the bottom of." what a backpack is. So I went to Wilmington and learned about it. And, and I, I don't know. So I kind of did that. I kind of did a, a, this American life for us and it's real earnest and maybe a little bit cringy and a little embarrassing, but I did it. Um, so I made a segment, a full, I did a full interview and I did like an intro and I recorded sounds. I feel like I'm presenting a school project. 
but I did, I, I did it for our show. I did it for, for Get Played. And it, w- I guess we could just, we can just play it. Do you it, want to maybe every, tell people like what it is or do you want them to experience oh. it as it's happening? No, it's all, it's all there. Okay. Okay. The great. whole package is right there. Wow. You know, we've, we've got an ongoing segment as I come to the end of my stay here in the Netherlands called The World Warrior. Amsterdam! Um, and I think that it has sort of been developing to this place where I've been like investigating arcades and going to the game museum. Like I had to build up a network before I could make something like this mm. happen. And were that I were to live in Holland for another year or two or five or life, um, then this thing I think would be a, a more regular feature. But yeah, to to round out my my time here in the Netherlands, let let's just roll the tape. Utrecht is a city in the center of the Netherlands that began as a Roman fortification in the year 50 CE. By the 8th century, it was a seat of power for the Catholic Church and became a renowned trade center by the Middle Ages, before ultimately helping found the Dutch Republic in 1579 with the signing of the Union of Utrecht. It is a beautiful city, with medieval canals and cobblestone streets, and is home to the largest university in the Netherlands. And it was for this reason that I traveled to Utrecht to speak with one of Utrecht University's professors, Dr. Joost Verfort. The journey from Amsterdam to Utrecht is 43 kilometers, about 26 miles, a relatively fast train ride. Or in my case, a very, very, very long bike ride. Bike paths connect every inch of the Netherlands like a cycle vascular system, and the ride from Amsterdam to Utrecht would be a pleasant two and a half hours. Unfortunately, the temperature dropped 10 degrees and it began to thunderstorm midway to the city. With farmland in every direction, there was no option but to pedal forward, forward to Utrecht. I arrived with wet hair and frazzled nerves to speak with Dr. Ferfort about a video game he's developing. This is Heather Ann Campbell, World Warrior, and today's topic is the climate courthouse game, All Rise. Um, you're just before I, you're Dr. Joost Verfort. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And what, what do you have a doctorate in? So I got a PhD in, um, I'm a biologist originally. A biologist. A biologist. Yeah. Ecologist, Mm -hmm. uh, and sort of an ecologist and a sustainability science person. But my PhD is really in, and that's a long time ago, but it's really in, um, how to get 
different people in society to think uh, about about what's happening and what's going on with the future and with sustainability from their different perspectives. So rather than communicating at people about what you think is going on, to, to have people come together and share different perspectives on the future. And when I was working on that PhD, one of the things to really look at was uh, sort of future scenario approaches, but I also got involved in games and, and thinking about games as a way to do this, especially sort of multiplayer games, you know, tabletop games, all this kind of stuff back then. Um, yeah, so that's that's the PhD. Uh, have, have you been a um, a gamer before this interest? Like, did your interest in video gaming precede your doctorate, or was it something that fl flowed from your um, your interest in ecology and how to expand that messaging? No, I've always been I've always been a, a gamer oh, or, nice. or player of games, I suppose. Uh, and and the thing that really I think put me on this path towards all this future stuff and all this sort of interactive working with people uh, thing is uh, was um, playing role playing games in high school, especially Vampire the Masquerade. Oh, who is your clan? Uh, so my, my clan, well, I worked, I, I did a lot of Giovanni stories okay, actually, great. because they're so interesting. They're like these, you know, vampire bankers with sort of necromancy and mm -hmm. uh, so lots of, and lots of crossover with Wraith the Oblivion, you know. Yeah. So that was a lot of the stories were Giovanni stories. Nice. Uh, I used to be a uh, Nosferatu oh, or wow. a Malkavian. Oh, very nice. Yes. <laughs> Both very challenging. We were like, I'm going to just take the most difficult clans. And, yeah. Yeah. Super nice. Yeah. So, so Vampire and Masquerade, you know, I... This sort of urban gothic stories, uh, I was really blown away by that as a kid. I was like, it's possible to just sit around a table with a few friends and a beer and just have this super elaborate stories and, you know, it's action and it's politics and it's drama and this can just happen. And, and you know, these things can just emerge out of a group of people talking together. I was really amazed by that. And I think that was maybe in a way the most important thing that happened to me and that sort of set me on the path through my studies in biology and going into sustainability uh, of having that interest of using the collective imagination as a as a way to sort of engage with the future and with with a, ch a change in the world. Yeah. Cool. And now you're a professor at Utrecht, Utrecht University. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So I'm a, I'm an associate professor in a sustainability research part of of Utrecht University and a, and a teacher. And my focus is on transformative imagination. That's my uh, that's my title now. Mm -hmm. Made it up myself. <laughs> Very happy with it. And uh, yeah, and so I, I, there I focus on, uh, well, I do a lot with game design uh, because I see games as, as one of the most powerful ways of engaging people in, you know, at so many different levels with imaginative experiences and expression. Uh, I do a lot of other stuff as well. I worked all around the world with governments working on climate change uh, policies, using future scenarios to help break them out of their sort of like a previous thinking and the more limited ideas about what's possible, uh, really using those methodologies as a sort of shared sense making about what the future could be like and how it could be different. Because we're living in a in a time in which we're all in this crisis of the imagination, and we don't really we don't really know how things could be better mm -hmm. for obvious reasons. Do you think? Would you say that your visions of the future are skewing dystopian, or are you are you more hopeful that uh, through messaging and through these new ways of uh, imagining the futures that you'll be able to sort of steer society? Yeah, I, I think I'm hopeful, sad, and angry at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, at, 
I mean, as someone who specializes in multiple scenarios, I feel like I'm constantly living, and lo lots of people around me as well, in these multiple scenarios. So the hopeful scenarios are there, they're possible, but the really horrible ones as well. And so I definitely don't want to say, oh, I'm just hopeful. Oh, it's gonna be, I'm just optimistic. Not at all. Like, I think that there are some real, real nightmare futures that could be ahead of us. I think there's just a lot of uncertainty around it. And I think there's a lot, lot of, there's a lot more agency that we have as humans than we are maybe uh, telling ourselves. Mm. I think, uh, and I have a background in complex system science and sort of complexity, but I feel like a lot of the talk about, oh, it's all so complex, it's so difficult to change anything, can also hide the fact that sometimes things are, are also quite simple, right? Mm. When you go down to the level of what we want as a future society, sort of human values, um, yeah, you can hide behind that complexity when things could be improved. Uh, collectively in, in many ways. Cool. Mm. You just got back from Gamescom. That's right. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, for our American listeners, uh, was in Cologne, Germany uh, this last week. Um, you want to talk a little bit about, uh, were you there for networking or were you there specifically for the game that you're developing called All Rise? Yeah, we, so, so we were there to pitch this game, All Rise, which I can tell maybe a bit about. Yes, please that makes do. Sense. So, so All Rise is a game in, uh, that was born out of um, uh, involvement with real climate activism. And it's a game that is about taking uh, fossil fuel industry giants to court, essentially. That was the core idea. You described it as Phoenix Wright meets... Uh... It's Phoenix Wright meets Disco Elysium. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, basically. So it started really as this sort of like F Phoenix Wright, but about climate court cases. That was the original idea. Mm -hmm. um, but then... Uh, as we started to develop the game, so a, a lot of people or a bunch of really wonderful people became involved. So we have a, a producer called Niels Monshauer, who is who uh, before this game worked on Horizon Forbidden West at Gorilla in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then um, Magna Giants, who is a, a narrative designer and writer who worked on a, a bunch of wonderful games like Sable, 80 Days, mm -hmm. also on Horizon Zero Dawn. And, and other things, um, and uh, as as people came together and our, our artists get, got involved, and we have a research team that got involved, um, we uh, decided that it would be much more interesting for the game to have a world to explore as well. So the, the court case, the court sort of system, would be a little bit limited, uh, and to explore this sort of like the, the reality of climate activism. So now, if I would explain the game now, it would be this is a game about resonant leadership and empathetic leadership. Uh, what, about what it's like to be a climate activist that does stuff that works. Mm -hmm. And it's we're really drawing this game from the realities of real climate activists from all around the world. Mm -hmm. So we're speaking a lot to these people, a lot, a lot of sort of social research is going into the game. Uh, we have a research team that's as big as the development team, mm -hmm. which is really cool. Wow. Yeah, so uh, um, the game the game is set up in a bunch of different chapters. And the first chapter is set in uh, sort of sideways speculation of Southern India. And uh, this is really prompting a lot of imaginative work. So Magna's writing is incredible. And we have Hugo Biele on the team as our programmer and uh, Marocha Arredondo, who's our uh, UI artist and, and uh, working on this. And we have a, a background artist, uh, Nora Merche, who worked on uh, League of Legends. And our character artist is Kern Gregory, who is um, uh, responsible for the art in uh, Paradise Killer, the character art, which is really iconic. Yeah. You know? And so these people all coming together, it's this really creative um, work that's really bringing this, this world to life. So it's a bit, it's a sort of a sideways speculation. It's closer to our reality than say a disco Elysium. Mm -hmm. 
um, but it's it's strange. It's different enough where you sort of start wondering, uh, you know, what's going on exactly here? How do I make sense of this world? But the game is really about the game is really about yeah. It's about a, a woman named Guili, who is a, a climate activist and a lawyer, coming actually from sort of more mainstream um, law work, legal work, but uh, but coming into climate activism. And uh, she's a really powerful leader, mm -hmm. very fun, kind of um, smart, playful. You know, a little. She looks at the world a little bit like it's a game, so she sees opportunities everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and you step into her shoes, but but you're not a leader in the sense where you just tell people what to do and you sort of lead the charge in that way. It's all about sort of motivating people and supporting them in uh, in creating a movement as well as building a court case. Uh, the court case is about uh, a river that's been polluted completely to hell, like mm -hmm. in many different ways. So finding out how this river has been murdered, which is the focus, mm -hmm. uh, the murder of a river is sort of the subtitle of this first chapter. Uh, there's not one murderer uh, in, in essence. Yeah. 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 And, and so that's where it gets its inspiration from Disco Elysium is sort of the solving of the crime of the, yeah. of the river. Yeah, the Disco Elysium part of it is also in the world building a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, the world building in Disco Elysium is very rich and it includes these wonderful layers of sort of personal psychology, mm -hmm. social interactions, the sociological and political layers. And then there's this sort of like analogy to climate change in Disco Elysium. In our case, it's more, more closely related to our world. But um Definitely that sort of detective work, uh, the sort of role-playing adventure, interacting with characters in the world side of it is, um, is, uh, has that sort of influence. There's also Citizen Sleeper, which I don't know if you've played that game, mm -hmm. but, but uh, that is also an influence uh, yeah. for this game as well. That's does the uh, main character of your game, this woman, does she become an alcoholic after dealing with <laughs> <laughs> um, That's not a path that's in the game yet. <laughs> But you know, there's 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 potential there. Now, so uh, this is, I think, where the game is quite different from something like this Coliseum, um, which is very beholden to its noir detective, yeah. to dismal tone. And what's interesting to me is that, and to all of us in the team actually, is that that sort of um, um, a lot of these games that are resonant and sort of uh, uh, are meaningful to people in a way they, they they do tend to sort of stick with this sort of darkness a lot, which is wonderful and beautiful, right? But is it possible to make games that are not entirely utopian, uh, that are not entirely utopian, but also not just sort of like, but I mean, a Disco Elysium, there is hope in this game, but it's mostly interpersonal, right? The sort of structural change, mm, it's not so much there, right? Um, and in our game, we try to focus more on this because we want to speak directly to people's senses of powerlessness and hopelessness that exists around climate change. You feel hopeless, you feel powerless, so let's talk about this. Um, the, the sort of underlying ideas behind the game have a lot to do with sort of sociological theory that talks about how if you give people space to talk about their difficult emotions around these issues, they feel safe, they feel seen, they feel like uh, there's uh, and then a space for sort of collective critical consciousness emerges that then mobilizes people into action. Yeah. Yeah. So. I feel like I'm often caught in sort of a doom spiral when I read something on uh, Reddit or on X, yeah. formerly Twitter. Oh, yes, uh, X. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I feel hopeless and powerless and I'm sort of flooded with anxiety. Yes. And it seems like what you're speaking to is a way to um, not let those feelings coagulate but rather that you can talk about them almost in a therapeutic sense. And that, that allows you to feel more active uh, in the 
in the future. Is that right? That's right. And this is really what's shown to be sort of the basis of many social movements is that you find a community where you can speak about the things that you think are maybe, you know, you, you feel hopeless, anxious, etc. about this, but you're just carrying this yourself. Yeah. In a modern society, you're supposed to sort of just carry this yourself. But when you can sort of break through that sort of loneliness and the sort of separateness of those emotions and, and sort of recognize this together, uh, the space, uh, st space starts to develop for action. Right? Oh. And this is what people really find in, in activist movements as well. So as Kuyili in this game, uh, you are doing some, you do, you're doing some important sort of investigative work yourself, but you also have a team to manage. And it's really about sort of giving the space for these people to, to be themselves, to be, to, to be with their worries and their pain and their anger. Anger is a great motivator for action. But of course, if it's just anger, sadness and anxiety, people burn out, right? Activist burnout is real. So yeah, so that's there. There's all playfulness and fun and weird absurdity in the game as well. We think, think that's really important and really, uh, you know, these things don't have to bite each other. In fact, they can strengthen each other, going really serious and really deep and being playful as hell. And a really great example for me of this in modern games is the new Wolfenstein games, actually. Oh. I haven't played the new Wolfenstein. Oh, yeah, you should really play them. They're, they're so interesting in the way they walk the line, sort of like dealing with really difficult topics, uh, you know, fascism. And uh, Wolfenstein, the new Colossus especially, talks about, it's, a, it's about the Germans bombing New York and taking over the US, but it's about how uh, fascism is really sort of a fertile ground in the US already before mm. the Germans came in this story. And so it, it talks about these really deep themes, but it also has you going to Venus to go to Hitler's secret Venus base <laughs> to, to, play, to, to play as yourself in a movie he's shooting about you as a character. It's, it's ridiculous, you know, yeah. but, it's, but it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's just really, really that sort of absurdity and deep uh, sort of attention to what's really going on. That's just really powerful, I think. Yeah. Mm. So you have this whole team assembled. Yeah. Um, uh, how far along the, where are you in the process of the development of the game? Are you still in the fundraising uh, section of the game or are you actually putting down code or what's going on? Yeah, maybe one thing to say about the fundraising is that we, uh, that's really important to mention about this game is this game is meant to raise funds uh, part of the funds, funds raised with the game, with the sales of the game, are going to go to real climate court cases. So we want you as a player to feel like I'm buying this game and, and you know, a significant part of the money goes to real cases. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's maybe good to mention. Uh, we got some funding from the Dutch uh, Creative Industries Fund uh, to get us started. And now we have a little tech demo. Before, uh, let, let me let me take a step back because yeah. for American listeners, what you just said is going to sound the craziest thing so far. Really? Yeah. So you got money from the Dutch government to help make your game. Yes. What is that like to have <laughs> the support of a government? <laughs> oh, it just feels normal. I'm just like, oh yes, of course. You know, we're, we 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 can also go to the to the European Commission, for instance, and they'd be interested in these kinds of things as well. Um, no, it, it's I'm yeah, I, it's it's interesting that you'd be shocked by that, but that feels kind of like yep, you know, that's just that um, you know, there's much wrong with the Dutch government, but uh, but they they do support these things. Yeah, I'm also on a research project funded by the Dutch government as well for my games research, mm. so they're fully behind this stuff. Cool. So yeah. you you receive that grant uh, mm. and and you're in the go ahead. I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt. Oh no no I no. I mean words. I did mean to interrupt you, but I you know what I mean. Yes yes for sure. So so. Uh, yeah, we have a small tech demo and we're still working on, so we, we brought that to Gamescom to show it to, to funders and to publishers and got some really useful feedback. 
Uh, and so we're going to be tweaking it a bit to sort of like just incorporate the feedback we got uh, at Gamescom. So we'll have a slightly more developed tech demo. And then in the, in the next couple of months, we'll really build, build, build building towards a, uh, a vertical slice, which means a fully playable section of the game. It's mm -hmm. just like a vertical cut through, right? And this is a common thing. Um, yeah, we're looking, we're looking for funds. Uh, originally, actually, when I sort of came up with this idea uh, while I was involved with a, with a, a, a real climate lawsuit, um, I thought of raising the money through uh, Kickstarter or something and then having part of the Kickstarter immediately go to climate court cases. So my idea was uh, we're going to sort of like have an impact with a game that doesn't even exist yet. But then we were like, okay, maybe we should actually build an actual game that's going to just work much better and we can we can always fund new chapters by Kickstarter or whatever, right? But just have, have the funding and just build it. Um, that will be more sort of solid approach. So yeah, so we're looking for funding. Uh, speaking to the publishers last week was really interesting. People are really interested in this idea. I think it's not something that I've heard, ever heard about before. I don't think there are any, especially in the commercial game space, any climate activism games that are about the emotions of climate change and sort of the struggle and the polit politics of that mm -hmm. uh, out there at all. So. Well, I feel like games like Disco Elysium are showing publishers that the more sincere your game is and the more um, the, the voice of the author of the game can come through, the more resonant it is for yes. the players. Like, I feel like there's a, um, and I, I don't think I'm just speaking from personal experience, but I do think that there is a little bit of fatigue in the industry of just always playing the exact same game over and over again. And when these games, when something new is done or when there's a different sort of environment uh, that it, it encourages more people to play yeah. um, because it's not like, like if you see 50 first person shooters, you choose one of them and you're like, do I really need to play the other 49? But when you hear about a game like Disco Elysium, it's like, oh, this is like maybe two other games that have ever happened. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like that's really encouraging for the future of the industry too. I, I, I really agree, and and still with this game, we are still, and this is a, a point that Magna has made uh, sort of several times uh, as as a person who has lots of uh, experience writing for for games, that we still also, even even then, don't just want to look at Disco Elysium or uh, or Ace Attorney or something like that, because of course these games also trap new ground, right? So yeah. we also want to sort of like, for instance, that sort of like management of the team's emotions in our game and, and, and having that empathetic leadership as a thing to learn. I mean, that's in neither of these games, really, mm -hmm. right? So that so we are also trying to do more things. So, but, it, but it's true, like to me, Disco Elysium feels like a, a utopian opening of the game world, right? Who could have thought that a game about a failed communist revolution in a, in a strange, semi-fictional fantasy, you know, modern setting that's just about everything that has these really complex interpers interpersonal psychology stuff going on uh, would be that successful. Yeah. And it's just this, you know, um, the, the it's just this sort of like really personal expressive thing. It's really amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah same thing goes for Sids and Sleeper and a bunch of these other games as well. So, yeah. What are your next steps with mm. the game? Like specifically, is is it just another round of fundraising or is it like... Once you have that vertical slice, um, what platforms are you targeting? Are you uh, looking specifically only at PC and or at Mac, or is this going to be a mobile game? 
This is going to be all platforms. Mm -hmm. Mobile will probably come last mm -hmm. because it's better to be established as an actual sort of game, as you know, a full game that's been understood to be a, a game mm -hmm. rather than a, a little mobile game, you know, which just just has a different uh, sort of different vibe to it. Yeah. And then when it goes to mobile, it's a different story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So all plat platforms, we really want to make something that's quite accessible. Where a part of the audience that we're interested in is sort of people who are who are interested in games might not play very much. Um, and I think that that would be, but who, you know, come at this from the side of maybe sustainability or being interested in climate change or having some worries about this and wanting to sort of feel supported and empowered. And the game is really about empowering people and in a way, you know, mobilizing people mm -hmm. towards action. Uh, yeah. Um, and basically we are hoping that this game will get finished by the end of next year. Great. So that we, so that, uh, maybe at Gamescom next year, we'll be there with a the stand among all the indie games. Uh, rather than only speaking to uh, the publishers. Uh, yeah, so that's the plan, basically. And then um, the game will be several chapters. Mm -hmm. So there will be a chapter in, in southern India, but also other parts of the world, including uh, the Netherlands and, uh, pro and most likely Nigeria and the Dominican Republic. Um, and the stories will sort of loop into each other. So the, so Kuyili won't necessarily be the, the main character in all these stories, but she'll be involved as an advisor in the other cases as well. So you're, you're targeting early 2025 for a release or late 2024? Late 2024. So that'll give people maybe two years to play the game before the world ends? Yeah, yeah, okay. just, so just enough time. So obviously this is, I mean, this is part of why I was interested originally in the model of bringing the idea of this game up and getting people to kickstart it so that they could fund it and that the money could already go to climate court cases, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but we'll just work very hard and get it done. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a horrible time to be. I mean, this is one of the one of the things I, I worry about a lot. Uh, uh, I, I used to work a lot on policy and all this stuff, but I feel you know policy uh, around climate change. But I feel like policy is so beholden to politics mm -hmm. that there's the, the the sort of operating space is so small in in policy circles mm -hmm. when the politics are the way they are. Mm -hmm. So that's prompted me to move to uh, sort of media and culture because there are things, the conversations are happening at a larger scale, et cetera, et cetera. But of course it's slow, right? You're right. influencing, you're, you're influencing or opening up or asking questions in the public space. Uh, yeah, uh, but, but more direct action is also necessary. Mm. So I'm also working on, on lots of research on direct action actually, and involved in it. But. When you are, because it sounds like the, the emotional space that you occupy is one that I'm terrified to stay in for very long, right. like really, really dwelling on climate change. Yeah. When you want to blow off steam, do you game or what do you do for fun? Do you like go get drunk here in Utrecht? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting question. So my relationship with games as a way to sort of blow off steam is a little complicated. I, I notice that I, I will play games when I feel, when I'm playing the most games, it's when I'm doing the best psychologically. Ah. Otherwise, I feel, just feel like I, I, there's too much to do, mm -hmm. uh, which, is, which is interesting. It's a bit different if they're really high quality games. Like I was playing Death Stranding um, recently, and that is a very strange game. And I think really interesting because it's just, it's so it's Hideo Kojima's baby and it's just completely insane. Mm -hmm. And it's a massive budget. Like it's a huge triple A game and, it, and it's just like, everything is just really nuts about it. And that gives me hope for the world <laughs> because I'm like, wow, this doesn't make any sense. It's completely, and it's, it's got a very positive message. It's all about connection and reconnecting with people. And, um, and that kind of experience, I feel like 
it's valuable, you know, wh whatever I feel like, I could play that and just be like amazed and confused by it. <laughs> and that gives me, gives me some openness, I suppose. Well, I'm, I'm in a metal band. Mm -hmm. So I sing in, a, I sing in a, a black metal band called Terzijde Horde. Impossible to, uh, to uh, pronounce uh, if you look at it on paper, but whatever. It's, uh, we're doing quite well with that. And that's just sort of a, a raging volcano of all these emotions, but it's cathartic, mm -hmm. you know, it's very, and I'm just, when, when we play the show, uh, when we play a show with the band, I'm just on the ground in a puddle of sweat and just dying, but it's a release, you know, <laughs> so that's good. That's going on. Um, yeah. I mean, lots of, lots of other things, but uh, I, I feel like the, yeah, the best way to combat this anxiety and uh, well, let me put it like this. I was recently talking to some young people uh, who were sort of part of the young arm of a sort of moderate political party, uh, moderate leftist political party in Netherlands, and they all struggle with climate depression and powerlessness. And I told them, I'm going to try to give you a new problem, which is the anxiety of there's so much I could do and I can't choose and don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. I think that's a better problem to have, mm -hmm. right? Where you're like, okay, I, I, my agency is actually quite significant and there's so many things I could do. I have a lot of power. Um, Dutch middle-class kids, you know, like, uh, but where, so now I have to choose what to do. And I mm -hmm. think that's, yeah, that, that can be anxiety inducing as well, but it's better than hopelessness and despair. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So if our listeners want to hear your metal band, yeah, where do they find it? Okay. They find it on Spotify and Apple Music? Yeah, it's on Spotify. So the first first word is T-E-R-Z-I-J. And that's that spell is or that's pronounced as Terzij. But our American fans, you know, if they don't know how to say it, they'll be like Terzij or something because IJ doesn't make any sense. So we're being very obscure, but that's our genre. So Okay. And then if uh if anybody wanted to follow you online, uh do you have any social media presence or yeah, I'm on I'm on X. For the time being, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying not to be, but it's like ah, you know, it's still like I've I've made so many wonderful friends and yeah. think you know we're all like that, right? So yeah. it's at Fervort. Uh, that's my last name, Fervort underscore Yoast, and then I'm on Blue Sky as well. You can find me there. Uh, I'm on Mastodon and Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where I post my artwork or whatever. Yeah. So well, thank you so much for talking to Get Played um, as our first field correspondent piece. Uh, this was a really excellent conversation. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Really wonderful. Wow, Heather. Uh, I, have a, I have a pitch for that segment, a name for it. It's, I mean, you, okay, it's never going to happen again, but okay, what is it? But when you do it again, okay. this recurring segment, what, I have a name oh for it. Oh my God, are you just going to, after all of that, like, earnestness, you're, you're a, your first instinct, I can see from your grin, you might as well be eating shit. You're, no. You've got a <laughs> shit-eating grin and you're about to, like, go ahead, what is it? Look, let me put down this this spoon in this bowl of shit real quick. <laughs> and, um. This American Life. How about this Game American Life? I think that's the name of a book. Is it really? I think there is a, a game, this gamer life, this Amerigame life. I don't know. I feel like there's a, this Game American, Game, Game American Life. It sounds this like game American life. I don't see anything. That sounds like you're know. just calling me a gay American.
this gay American life. <laughs> That's sort of how you identify first and foremost, right? <laughs> uh, it's a like when you're on TV and there's a Chiron, it says Heather Ann Campbell, gay American. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the title of it would be. Uh, I like World Warrior. You know, I like I've I've liked that sort of as the headline for it, but it is. I good. don't know that. So so yeah, World Warriors good. You know that guy. Colon, had, this gay American life, but you know don't, whatever. I don't want gay American. I don't want gay American. I didn't say gay American. It's game American. Yeah, but I'm articulating game, the both M, M's. You can't add a syllable in between two M's. Game American. I just did. <laughs> uh. That was awesome. Heather, yeah. it's awesome that you did that. The, so Thank he, you for going he, to all that he trouble. He had s- such an incredible pitch and such an, in- it was so so incredible to talk to uh, him. Uh, and the, you know, the thunderstorm and the journey was completely wor- worth it. I should say that um, at the end of the, we did not, because Mary came with me and we did not bike all the way back to Amsterdam. We we got our bikes onto a train and took a train home. Yeah, that sounds like it was for the best. Uh, because otherwise it would have been uh, one of the hardest days of my life. As it is, my legs were shaking so badly when I opened the door to do that interview. Um yeah, a good a real a real fun time and you know, hopefully next summer maybe I'll I'll get an opportunity to to come back to Europe and do more interviews like that, but if you've heard if you heard that interview and you're like, oh, you, I, I want to do something like this. I'd love to talk to Get Played. Then reach out to us. And one of the and one of these boys can bicycle for two and a half hours and do yeah, an interview. Yeah, fucking in. I somehow get to talk to Hideo. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, hey, yeah, so Heather asked some questions, but you have some questions for us. It's time for the question block. <laughs> All right, and guess what? Ring, 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 ring. It's all voicemails, baby. Wow. Oops, all voicemails. Surprise. Surprise. Actually, that is a surprise to me. I didn't know this was happening. Yeah, I didn't know this was going to happen either. It's a surprise. real it's a real audio forward episode of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of why <laughs> that's sort of why I went with it. Um why don't I just play one of these fuckers, huh? What do you say? Let's go. Hello, Nick and Matt, and especially Heather. Um, I hope you're feeling what? bad, Heather. I just want you to say I'm, I traveled from Germany to the Netherlands for the get together, and I hope you don't feel bad anymore. I just want you to say it was totally worth it coming to the Netherlands. Amsterdam is absolutely beautiful. I'm having a ton of fun getting drunk with uh, some Americans <laughs> on their first trip to Europe. And I hope there'll be a get-together soon or maybe a meet-up at Gamescom in Cologne. And, um, yeah, just hope you feel better and um, don't be too sad. And I hope you're better soon. Bye. That was nice. Just that, well was, that was extremely sweet. I cannot, I cannot, ex- I know that nothing that happened was my fault, but I cannot express the extreme guilt that I feel about having to cancel that event and knowing that people traveled in to hang out with us. Um, I promise we're going to do it in the future. And and maybe even, because I know Nick won't fucking travel, but I had this fantasy that I could convince Matt to come with. Yeah. No, I would be, it would be my greatest joy 
First of all, if we all just went on a trip, it'd be the time of my fucking life. I'd love it. I love going on trips with friends. Uh, I'd happily uh, let Heather show me around the Netherlands. Absolutely. Also, Matt, to go, the National Video Game Museum is the fucking coolest place I've ever Yeah, yeah. It's better than, it's better, this room is better than any single room I think I was ever in, in Japan. Wow. Like it, it, it's that's cool. It's an, a staggering room. Uh, so anyway, back to that listener. Um, you know, uh, I, I, it, it, the whole, I, I didn't get to go to Gamescom, uh, in Cologne, even though I was, uh, I was aiming at that. Uh, the interview actually that I just, that we just played was, uh, that, uh, Dr. Josef Vort were, was just at Gamescom, which is kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, hopefully next summer um, I'll be able to, because I know for certain that I will be back in the Netherlands next summer. Uh, but yeah, that's, um, I feel so terrible about all that. I like, I, I wish, I wish I could have hung out with you guys and played some video games. Not, yeah, definitely yeah. not your fault at all. Um, you, got, you got COVID, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. Uh, sorry, you are so responsible. Um, uh, and and doing yeah. doing well, the right also, thing. Well, also, it's it's yeah. it, what's weirdly frustrating is that I didn't end like Mary had COVID, and you but didn't I didn't I, I didn't end up getting it. And if there was some way to ensure that that was something I could know in the future, yeah. So not only was I quarantined for for those couple of weeks, but there like there it didn't. It just it just took everything from me. You're built different. I'm built different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like you know it, it, I've never crossed an ocean, um, and as someone who's only been in, in North America, I'm always staggered when I look at European geography because it's like you're like oh my god, I went from Germany all the way to the Netherlands for a meetup, and it's like. Oh yeah, it's from like going from LA to San Francisco. Yeah, it's like you know that's it's it's not like this this unbelievable distance that was traversed not to trivialize it it's no. amazing that someone came out but it's like i i I'd like for any other uh, uh dip fellow uh, my fellow dipshit americans out there um uh it's just it's interesting yeah. to be oriented in here and and understand just like 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 it's how much more compact things are see this show is a lot of things we have gay americans we have dipshit americans <laughs> <laughs> nick i'm pretty certain that if you ever came to the netherlands you would consider it your favorite country on earth it is well it is yeah. it, it is so dense with public transport. I love that. Like you love public transport. You can it's like true. you can go anywhere so fast in this country. Like you can just like or you can go to the you can go to the train station here in Amsterdam and you can take a train that's always there to London or you can take mm-hmm. a different train to Paris and it's no time at all like you could just yeah, go to cool. london like or paris train. you know mm-hmm. and then i don't know if you're a cyclist but oh, yeah but it's fucking crazy how how you can like the, the reason i went on bike to utrecht is because you can click on google maps and be like click the bicycle thing and there's a bike path the entire time there's no that's amazing there's no space where you're like on a road and there are some places where the bike path 
is the road. And if you're a car, you have to like get permission to go on the road and you have to go behind cars or behind bikes extremely slowly. And that's look, it's it's an incredible country. It's really fucking it's paradise. It's amazing here. Uh, I uh, I like yeah. I, I, you can't get intracity in L.A. on bike without and and stay on a bike path the no, whole time. Like you can't. I, I feel like I can go like a couple miles in any direction, and then I, I've got to get on the road with a cars going forty. Also, miles they got crazy food. Look, dude, I'm not I'm not, I'm pitch you hard for next summer. Yeah. you've got two podcasts that could have like a real good time mm-hmm. in the Netherlands. Covering some really good crazy food on one of them, and some amazing video game stuff on the other. I mean, I do have an upcoming court date in The Hague, so maybe we can sort of sync <laughs> that up. Uh, I'm very down to go, um, and, and you know, maybe when we're all stateside, maybe we do a get played meetup over here. Something that like would that. be pretty great. Would be pretty great. Uh, why don't we play another uh, a voicemail? Hi, no question here, but enough is enough. Why haven't you played any Bethesda games? Why haven't you played Skyrim? Why haven't you played Fallout? They are, and I know this is controversial, but amazing games. So much fun, such deep lore. Why aren't we playing these big-ass AAA Bethesda games? Thank you. Love you guys. You rock. Bye. Uh, it's a very nice uh, voicemail. I think the the answer you answered it in your query there, which is uh, the phrase "big ass." <laughs> like it's like these games are just such a fucking commitment. I think Starfield was a candidate, but it's yeah. like hard to like go back and you know I have my memories of Skyrim, but I I'd, I'd feel like if we we're gonna do an episode about it, I'd want to I'd want to play some more Skyrim, and that's like or or you know similarly with uh with Fallout Three, it's. These are, these games are big in scope, so I think if we wanted to dedicate an episode to it, yeah, I don't know. We I, maybe we maybe we just do a throwback. We play, you play, and we do we cover one of these Bethesda big boys. Maybe we eventually cover Starfield, or maybe we could do a a, a one off episode where we just kind of talk about these games. That this I guess this this genre from a company holistically, but I I I think there's. I don't know. I do like the Fallout franchise. I do like kind of like that series. I've, um, I don't know. I've only messed with Fallout Four a little bit, and it didn't it didn't grab me um, like right away. Uh, and I, so I kind of just put. It, I was kind of just overwhelmed by you know like the scope of it. Right, like there's just so much you can do. And I've tried Sky. I played. I played Elder Scrolls uh, Oblivion a little bit. I played that more than I played um, Skyrim, and I I thought that was kind of cool, but I didn't f- ever finish that game at all. And I played I started Skyrim. I've started Skyrim a lot in my time, and I uh, I just can't I can't do it. There's some I don't know what it is. I, I and I know that it's great, and I know that I'm wrong, uh, but I just like I don't know. I I, I can't do it. I've been in on Elder Scroll. I've been in on Fallout since Fallout One, which was Interplay. It was yeah. its own developer, so it's different. It was a different thing, uh, and it was isometric. Um, and I've been on, I've been in on Elder Scrolls since Elder Scrolls Arena and Elder Scrolls Two: Daggerfall, which were both Bethesda, but they were you know much cruder iterations. Mm-hmm. So you know I do have a history with these with these franchises, but I think that here's the other thing, like I I just don't finish these games. 
because no. they're so big and I'm like, you know, the kind of the story is that the narrative isn't isn't really the point. That's something I feel like 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 a, a, a larger in scope game that I have finished, like the, you know, the 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 Mass Effect games or um or, uh, you know, I mean, Baldur's Gate 3 currently, I'm uh, certainly far from finishing it now, but I plan to. It's like there's like a compelling mainline narrative to pull you through. And yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, we could talk about it. Maybe Star, maybe Starfield gets us into it at some point. Maybe we do a Starfield episode in a few months. I, I don't fucking know. I, 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 it's a good question. I don't love nor hate bethesda games but i have finished i finished skyrim i finished fallout 4 fallout 3 which one was it four fallout. was the most recent one i don't know which or one 70, it was. fallout 76 is actually the most recent one but i didn't play that one four. that's its own thing yeah but i i finished that fallout game that came out whenever that was um they're very very funny as i said earlier and they're really funny violence so i'm in i'm no, fucking in. in we'll figure out what to cover it's it is it is a it is a blind spot of the pod big blind spot uh let's play let's play another voicemail hi heather nick and matt my name is taylor i'm from edmonton alberta canada just wanted to thank you guys for the laughs and for inspiring me to play games like disco elysium and persona 5 which i'm enjoying the hell out hell of yeah. right now Sometimes I also get burnt out on video games, and your show always hypes me up to play more. So thanks. Uh, the other day, we had a rainy 5 degrees Celsius, which is about 41 degrees Fahrenheit day here in Edmonton, and I was stuck at work. It was cold and gray and dreary, and in my opinion, the perfect video game weather. So my question to you is, what is your perfect video game weather? For me, I like a cold gray midweek when everyone is at uh, cold gray day when everyone is at work and I'm enjoying games in the comfort of my home. I use my vacation days sometimes to just play video games, especially when it's like minus 30 degrees <laughs> yes. Celsius, which is about <laughs> minus 20 Fahrenheit, I think. Um, and we expect life to continue here when it's that cold, but it's nice to take a day to play games. So again, what is your perfect video game weather? Thanks so much. Hot dog, more like my dog. See ya. Hell yeah. <laughs> we should have Man, put that on a old, shirt. I forgot that's about old. that. <laughs> what was that? that I re vaguely remember. What you was were um, making fun of Nick and I for the, the, the quote, style of jokes that we do. Uh, yes, that was your imper impersonation of yeah. the kind of joke we would make. Yeah. Um, and it's good. It is good. <laughs> there, it's good because there's a glimmer of truth to it and i think that's sort of the main ingredient for any good joke if you're holding a hot dog i mean the thought enters your head of hot dog more like my dog <laughs> it does <laughs> last time i was eating a hot dog i was thinking that the whole time hot is the opposite of my so it is sort of like <laughs> um my perfect video game weather is the same i it, like on a day, especially, okay, here in my final week here in Amsterdam, when it rains in Amsterdam, because everybody's on a bike, you kind of have permission, not that I haven't gone out in rain on my bike, uh, and often it will suddenly shower while you're riding to somewhere and you didn't even know it was going to rain, but like on a day where it starts raining and ends raining, 
and you kind of have permission to not leave your house because the only way you can get anywhere is a bike or walking to the tram in the rain. It's fucking great. It is great to to play a video game on a full rainy day. So I'm I second that. Also, rain means overcast and overcast means less glare on your television no matter where it's placed unless you're in a completely dark room. Mm-hmm. So you know, bright sunny day, harder to play video games. Unless it's Boktai, the sun is in your hand. <laughs> Sunlight. <laughs> uh, for me, I think it's it's pretty similar. I, I don't really like, I know I talk about playing a lot of games and, and finishing a lot of games, but I do that in the time where I'm like squeezing that in, like in between things, like where I don't like, I don't, always allow myself the um the joy of what i experienced this past weekend of playing baldur's gate three for five hours like i don't really have sessions like that anymore but on occasion uh uh my uh my partner will leave the house and be like Mm -hmm. i have to go do a bunch of things or i have to go see a friend i know that that's not something you want to tag along with do whatever you want here. And I'm like, great. I don't have to leave the house. You can go do whatever you want to do and have a nice day and I'll get to stay here. Fantastic. And so I'll, I'll, that's when I'll really put in my time. But if it's raining, ain't nothing better than that. Honestly, like, it, cause I don't like to go out. If I, if it's, if my socks get wet, my day's over. It's done. I, yeah. I can't really come back from that. Uh, mentally like, yeah. <laughs> It's like it's an instant day ruiner to me if my sock gets wet. Um, so if I, I'm inside, I'm nice and toasty. Maybe I got a cup of hot chocolate. Playing some games. Mm. It's the best. So I, I, you know, I'm I like mild weather. Hey, that's 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 not a, a unique opinion, but like I I, do, I don't want anything too extreme, and I think that it that is true for when I want to play games. Um, I, my my environment now is that I have this home office that I do podcasting in and any sort of uh, non podcasting work, but also I have my my consoles in here and my gaming PC, mm-hmm. and I invested in some. Uh, even though it's a rental, I invent invested in some blackout shades that are great because I don't have to worry about how sunny it is and uh, you know this room can get completely dark if I need it to be so like that the, as far as screen glare goes I, I don't that that's just like not a concern where I do my gaming um and also so like I guess just like kind of mild weather if I'm gaming at home because I don't really have to I don't want to be too hot I, I can run the AC but I don't really love like the feeling of being in an AC environment it's it's like like even though it's cooler and more climate controlled i just like i always feel kind of like stuffy and um confined yeah but so but the way i'll address this is that like i kind of like you know hey i'll uh, i'll tell you i love i love being outside i love going on long walks and i'll take my switch somewhere if i'm playing something on the yeah. on the the switch and so like i kind of want like the idea like not too sunny, a little bit overcast, a little bit of a breeze, but also like I don't have to put a jacket on and I can like sit on a patio somewhere and just sort of play video, play it like play switch for a bit. Like that's like kind of my ideal weather. Mm. Rain, I, I, snow, I don't like any of that stuff. I don't want any sort of you know, just get good like like get that out of the way. Um because uh, yeah, I've, I've lived in Southern California my whole life. I've lived in one county my entire life, and and I just like 
I just like very mild sort of a, a you know beach breeze weather I guess honestly for any scenario like gaming yeah. like it's just like gaming just sort of fits into like I just like it when the weather is nice call me crazy but if I have to be outside I want it to be exactly how I like it yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> why don't we just play one more and then we'll, then we'll wrap it up hi Nick Heather and Matt this is Chris I'm calling from Ohio um, I first want to say that I'm a big Ohio fan, power. have been listening since episode one, and I always look forward wow. to my commutes on Mondays because I know there's going to be a new episode to get me to work and back. My question for you guys is what is your most outrageous hot take? Oh. What opinion do you have that you're pretty sure you're right and everyone else is wrong and you will die on this hill? I'd love to hear that from each of you. Otherwise, I just wanted to thank you for all the great episodes and keep up the good work. Uh, it's, it's a bright spot every week. Thanks. God bless you, Chris. It's a very, very nice thing to say. So are we looking for, is this a gaming hot take or is this just a hot take in general? I think it could be either or. If you have a gaming one, go off. If you want to just get one out there, I think it's, I think it's open to interpretation. I think society is going to collapse in the next 10 years. That's good. Yeah, that's good. That's a, I don't know how hot of a take that is, but it's good. Yeah. But I uh, no, I mean like I mean like ten. No, I not yeah. like fifty. Not ten. Not like, oh, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna hit one point five C in the next six to ten months, and then we're gonna have this rapid cascade th- that like I'm I'm not even like in climate anxiety I'm in like a doom phase and I'm yeah. honestly thinking about taking survival classes so that I can extend my stay on earth for two to three months extra sure post collapse uh, when society collapses can we still do the podcast yes because I also think that social that society's collapse is going to be very weird I think that People are still going to make TV shows. I think that there is still going to be like in the same way that like a hyper normalized collapse of the uh, Soviet Union still had jobs Mm -hmm. that weren't doing shit. I think I think this podcast existing post society's collapse is almost 100 percent guaranteed. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's, that's my big that's my hot take is. We got 10 years left, max. My other, um, I, I mean, a, my other hot yeah, take is that uh, video games are a, um, video games are a sport for, um, they're an interactive sport. So puzzles don't belong in them. It should only be combat because Pong is combat. There you go. Your turn, Nick. Your turn, That's Matt. That's really good. That's really good. Uh, Gaming one, I think that uh, I I don't. How about this? I don't like driving or shooting in games. You don't Holy, like shooting. I don't like, I don't like guns or cars. Shooting. Oh, like, I can play a game that has shooting in it, but it's just like, and I can play a game that has driving in it, but like, I don't like these things. You, there are other mechanics I like more. I don't like. I don't think aiming is fun. Wow. Um, I don't think that the way that games are designed around. Every fucking shooter has it's it's so tedious that they all have the same like headshots do more damage mechanic. It's just like that's so to me is so boring. But they do. Uh, and 
I, but, but they don't necessarily. You don't like, think it's like, getting like, shot you know, in the head does more damage than getting shot in the hand? Getting shot in the chest, I think. I mean, like, you know, I think if you're actually look, doing any sort of tactical shooting, you want to aim for the chest. Sure. That's just as likely to be a kill shot. But, like, no game has that as a mechanic. Like, it's just like that to me, they have it as like a headshot is more because a head is a smaller target. And so, like, I just don't think like things like sniping or shooting at things in the distance. So you're looking at like, hey, these things are a few pixels in size and I'm just going to move my cursor over them and hit the button at the right point. Like, to me, that just is kind of like tedious. So if you're looking for a hot take, yeah, I think guns are kind of boring in games and I think cars are similarly kind of boring. I don't like driving in in games and I don't like as I don't like it in real life. Uh, In terms of. Uh, in terms of of real life, in terms of non-gaming t- hot takes, uh, I've said this before, but here's my thing about gummy. Gummy ain't yummy. I don't like gummy. Get the anything. fuck out of here. I don't like gummy anything. That's insane. I don't need, any, I don't need that texture. Uh, I don't need that kind of that, that sort of sweetness delivery mechanism. So I'm anti-gummy. Uh, I also think wait, that. Wait, uh, can I ask if licorice is gummy? I would say licorice is gummy adjacent, and also I don't need it in my life. So, he yes. doesn't need it in his life. Heather, I also no, I love don't. licorice. I, 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 yeah, get it out I, of have you guys it. ever had a, a salty German or salty Dutch licorice? No. It's, it's fucking king. It's salty, but licorice. I like the idea of something of salty and sweet. I like that combo. Oh, yeah. I'll do like a salty Well, you'll never taste like it because you don't like licorice. a gummy. Yeah, I probably won't. I probably won't have it. And you know what? I, my life will be the better for it. Better. Uh, I also, I also I'm think bring, that you um, know what? Maybe I'll bring it back for you guys. I would love. Maybe to Maybe I'll bring it. you back some. I'll, try, salty, I'll totally try it. Some salty drope. I'll totally try it. Uh, let's see. A, another hot take. Uh, I don't think people should have guests in their homes. What? The I f- think your home should be where you live. And then if you gather, that should be like a separate place, like a public space. What? But I feel like your home should be like. Look, don't come to my house. Get out of I here. I have no idea what that means. Guests in your yeah, home. I think it's like, pretty clear. But that's like from the Paleolithic till today, that's uh-huh. like a common human behavior. And in fact, multiple people living within the same shared physical space is common. Yeah, if you're living together, I've had roommates. But I, but I don't need like some guy coming over. Get out of here. What are you talking about? I think it was pretty clear. I don't even think don't this is a take. Home this is like y- a hot nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> like gummy, I'm like, okay. Nick's I can trying see. to justify his behavior with these. Uh- <laughs> well, he wanted a hot take. Well, you want to, what, what? what you, but what is the take? Like, no, here's you, the thing. I've never had a soul over go- here. Yeah, I don't. that's what I'm saying. I don't need people in my home. Yeah. You don't, uh, nobody needs people what does that mean? Exactly. And I, I got one. Uh-huh. I have exactly one. All right, Matt, your turn. Because I've said this on the show before. I've, I've said. Oh, I know what he's going to say. He's going to say jam belongs on corn on the cob. <laughs> That's a separate thing. I, wanna, I don't want to get into that. I can't get into that again. Um, I've said on this show that space is better than old. Yes. And what if I told you? That I've changed my mind. <gasps> I no longer stand by space is better than old. Wow. Wow. I'm taking it back because I think Cowboy is the best of all. <laughs> and Cowboy is old. I'd rather see Cowboy than space. 
Wow, you prefer cowboy to space in video so games. Wait, is the, is is the is the equation now cowboy greater than space greater than old, or is it that old greater than space because of cowboy? Well, because I don't necessarily want to go back too far, right? Like, I don't uh-huh. know if I want to be like a Puritan or something, or like, uh, or what's even? I don't want to go back to like caveman. Although caveman might be interesting. Caveman's kind of caveman fun. video game hasn't really been explored that much. Fucking uh, Viking video game is so much fun. Yeah, Viking good, cowboy good. Uh, there, but like, I'm not trying to like. Yeah, I don't want to see a video game about like normal people in 1910 or something. You know what I mean? I want to give me a little action. Give me a little. Wait, 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 wait. Though, 1920s action game set in Paris would be so fucking cool. I'm look. I'll try it. I just, like. I think space. We've we've done everything we can. I haven't seen a new space, <laughs> like a new concept in space, in a while. It's always the same kind of thing. And uh, space is done. We did it. Space is done. We're done with space. And that sound like a, like the American public in like the 1970s. Yes. It's like, all right, we fucking did it. Let's move Space on. Space is defund NASA. Done. Yeah. Dusted. Who gives a Next. shit? Next. Show me the bottom of the ocean. The food, <laughs> the food in old is better than the food in space. Yeah. You got to eat fucking cryobites. But that wouldn't, but that also wouldn't like follow because I feel like food is one thing that has gotten better over time. Like, I feel like if you want to go to the 17th century, that meal is not going to be nearly as good as it is. They don't even have Doritos. Sure. It's true. But food in space has a transportation problem. So. Right. So it's like, if you're going to eat a really good stew, chances are you're eating that in old more than you're eating that in space. A fresh, a fresh fish, not in space, only in old. Well, you're not going to be a, yeah. I, how would you even eat, spoo, eat, eat stew in space? The little globules of stew are going to be floating all It'd be like one of those uh, Japanese protein drinks that would be jelly. It would be like mm. in the in brand jelly pou- pouch. Ugh, I don't want to eat my stew that way. A jellied beef stew? Yeah, that sounds, sounds kind of weird. Which I've had. I've had jellied beef stew. Ugh. At, um, what's that old-timey restaurant in Los Angeles? The one that's been- What, you mean like the Musso and Frank's? Yeah, Musso and Frank's. Oh, yeah. Musso and Frank's in Los Angeles has a classic uh, menu. And on their classic menu, they have jellied beef stew. And it is cold and gelatin- and it is not my ideal food at all. Yeah, that shouldn't it, be allowed. It's unsettling. <laughs> Jellied consomme is that? Yeah, what it I is? think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I don't know if I. I don't know if I'd be hot able to salad, try it. cold soup. This guy's crazy. All right. <laughs> like a normal temperature salad. <laughs> it's not mix the cannon here. It's going to get confusing <laughs> for the listenership. It's funny also that this. That this sort of meandering conversation about hot takes and food also happened in the same episode where I did that interview. <laughs> yes. 
And it, it is fascinating that like we think about food so much like that's just that's just such a dominant thing in lives in people's lives that like anytime it's like, hey, you got a hot take on anything. I think people's minds naturally go towards food. Yeah. Because, yeah, we eat like fucking five times a day, you know, thinking about it constantly. I'm thinking about it right now. I'm thinking about it, too. But that was that was the this week's question block voicemail edition. Thanks for sending those in, everybody. And if you'd like to send for uh, send more voicemails, call us at our phone number, which is 616-275-2933. And you can leave us a voicemail and we'll play it on a future show. There you go. That's this week's Get Played. Our engineering is by Alex Gonzalez, Dead Air Alex G on Twitter and Instagram. And also, we have Get Animate, our paywalled show. If you want to hop on over to patreon.com slash get played. Uh, Heather, what are we watching on Get Animate? We are watching early 2000s mega hit FLCL. It's a six episode series, also known as Fully Cooley, which premiered in 2003 on Adult Swim and came out in the year 2000 in Japan. It's one of those big influential shows that our listeners on Discord encouraged us to watch. So we're watching that. It's a, a, a brief respite from longer, larger series. So come join us. It's a good time to hop on at patreon.com slash get played. That's patreon.com slash get played for all your episodes of Get Animated. Our Discord wanted us to cover Furikuri. It wanted us to talk about Shadow of the Colossus. It's got early 2000s on the brain. Perhaps some, some nostalgia for 20 years ago or so going on right now in the old score. <sighs> 20 years ago. It's tough to think about. Time is wild, right? Yeah. Here's a, here's a hot take. Time is bad. Oh, shit. You guys want another <laughs> hot take? Yeah. You got played. Ah, oh, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> 